This is the Antichrist Empire Deconstruction Podcast with the Lady Victory. I'm going to read to you to start out to give you the vision of this ministry in brief. This comes from the About Author page from my book series, Yeshua I Know, Paul I Don't Know. This book series is a feminist egalitarian treatise of the equal royal creation, personhood, authority, power, and ordination of woman in first dominion. The Lady Victory is the pen name of the author and the dominion vision of her ministry. The Lady Victory is a name and a title representing all women as ladies, princesses, and royal mothers. The Lady Victory means woman in a feminist vision of the equality and regality of all women destined to be equal in royal glory to the First Mother in her original creation. The Lady Victory lives in the mountains of Appalachia in the South, God's country. She has an INTP personality and has read the Bible thousands of times, cover to cover from youth. Her call from the Lord is to be his disciple, know the truth, and for the truth to make her free. The Lady Victory is a radical feminist. Her apostolic commission is to restore the crown of glory, to restore the first dominion. The Lady Victory writes and ministers to restore the first dominion and the crown of royal ruling and reigning power in the true power of the egalitarian kingdom to all children of God. Women are the equal children of God. Women are equal royal persons of heaven on earth. Women are equal in royal power and authority in the government of God. The kingdom comes when women's crowns shine in all heaven's glory and power in rule and reign equal to all men on earth. Now, today I kind of want to get on a more positive subject because even when I address this evil wickedness of Genesis 2-3 and all of these false Roman epistles that seek and strive to rob the crown of women to reverse the dominion of women into submission to men. That is a full overthrow of the kingdom of God. That is fully Luciferian. There is no agreement or unity between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. There is no unity or agreement with Genesis 1 and the kingdom of God, the Lord Yeshua speaking in the Gospel of John, speaking dominion for women versus the reversal and the overthrow in the throwing upside down of the cross in the kingdom in Genesis 2-3, in which woman is assigned a quote-unquote role of submission. Then apostate, false apostle Saul Paul, spews forth from the abyss all of this false teaching that women were created as just bodies, as bones of bones and flesh and of flesh of man, as if women are some form of transhumanist, cloned material biological thing that men own as their own bodies. And the result of that is the erasure of all women's boundary lines. The very humanity of woman is robbed when she is defined as a thing, as biological material only, that a man owns as his own body. And then we reviewed in the last podcast that Saul Paul teaches this apostate perversion that women being just the bodies of men and just being sacks of meat are supposed to subject to men in everything, like their bodily appendages instead of people. And that then a woman is filled with the spirit of a man. And that a woman is the glory of a man. This is a fully contradictory religion of, of heathenism 
in which men are declared to be God by Saul. He stated, and I'll quickly review, that all men in 1 Corinthians 11.7 are the image and glory of God. And you can capitalize the I of image and the G of glory because he is declaring all men to be God. He is lying to deny the truth that male and female were created equally in the image of God in the true Hebrew God of Israel creation account of Genesis 1. He fully eliminates all truth of the true kingdom to generate a false ancient Roman replacement religion in which men are declared to be God and women are declared to be non-entity, non-persons as just bodies, as bodily appendages of men, as is falsely taught in the Pandora Greco-Roman myth of Genesis 2 and 3. So Genesis 2 and 3 and all of Saul Paul's teachings fully reverse the truth of the kingdom of Yeshua. And the Lord came speaking his kingdom in the gospel of John. The same kingdom is stated in Genesis 1. This true kingdom of God is a kingdom of full divine love and glory. As male and female in egalitarian relationship on fully level ground as full equals, each have their own autonomous boundary lines. The boundary line around woman in Genesis 1 is complete. <clears throat> she is a fully individual human being. She is a person. Her body comes from the ground the same time that the man's body comes from the ground as God speaks the two into creation by the word of dominion. So woman is accorded full dominion over her own body as an autonomous person, human being, and child of God in Genesis 1. The Genesis 2 Pandora Greco-Roman myth that has no place in the Hebrew Bible, but was put there by nefarious actors, woman does not own her own body in Genesis 2. The saying is, if you do not own your own body, you own nothing. You are a slave. And woman in Genesis 2 is a slave. It is fully perverted and demented. Um, so there is absolutely no excuse for any thinking person to believe that Genesis 2 is scripture from the God of Israel. But what it takes is thinking it through. We have to know truth. We are the disciples of the Lord when we know the truth and the truth makes us free. So the false teaching of Genesis 2 makes a woman a slave. That's our first test to know that this did not come from God. Because God said that knowing the truth would make us free. But believing Genesis 2 enslaves women by defining women as slaves. And laws have been generated which fully stripped all human rights from women in history. Those laws in America and in Europe, but I'm going to focus on America, were called coverture laws and one flesh laws. They were based on Genesis 2 and the false teaching of Saul Paul that is fully derived from Genesis 2. So we look at this and in Genesis 2, 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So man is speaking over woman as a God, defining her to be biological material that he owns and that is his body. So she has no boundary line around her body whatsoever. She is not a child of God. She's not a human being. She's not a person. And then the man declares over her, not even speaking to her, because why, why should he speak to a bodily appendage of himself? That would be like talking to your pinky. Would you talk to your pinky or would you speak over your own pinky? That is how woman is spoken over here in Genesis 2. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
So a woman has no identity of her own whatsoever. She has no boundary lines. Everything about woman is man. Woman does not exist as a human being, a person, or a child of God. She's like a pinky. She's a bodily appendage of man. Everything is about man. This is a fully man-centered doctrine. And when we see that something is fully man-centered, as born-again believers, we know that that doctrine came from the abyss because there's no place for God to be the center between man and woman when woman is just a bodily appendage. She's a thing. She's biological material. She's not a human being. She's not a person. She's not a child of God. She is man's pinky, but she's man's crotch because she's a sex object in Genesis 2. So it's a fully prurient account, fully lewd and lascivious, fully pornographic. And we could get into a little bit more about how woman has no humanity, personhood. She has no spirit. She's just a sack of meat that belongs to a man as his own body. So she has no power of sexual consent. She is a literal sex toy in a second body and because she has no power of consent, because she's just a thing, not a person, um, she is literally a sex slave and she is a rape victim because she's not a human being. So she has no power of consent in this story. This entire story, and I review this in detail in my books, is a rape fantasy. This is a rape sex slavery fantasy. This is worse than David and Bathsheba. This Genesis 2 is the most profane rape doctrine that we've ever seen in our lives. And nothing could be more perverted or sick or discriminatory or patriarchal and misogynist than the doctrine of Lucifer that was put in the Bible by nefarious actors as a rape doctrine of the creation of woman as a sex slave body object thing, sex toy that a man owns as his own body. So as a radical feminist or even just any human being other than somebody who is a rapist and wants to legitimate rape, any human being would look at this and go, that's terrible, that's awful, that's horrible, that's evil, that's wicked. So let's look at it really quickly, and we're going to go on to some more things. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. This is Genesis 2, 23 through 25. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So her entire identity is a non-identity. She's a non-person. She's a non-entity. She doesn't have a spirit. She doesn't have a soul of her own. She doesn't have a body of her own. She has no autonomy. She has no individuality. She's a body she does not own. She is a body a man owns as his own body. So she has no boundary lines around her whatsoever. She is the full possession of a man as a body object thing, sex slave. That makes her a rape victim. She has no power of consent granted to her in this story. Then he says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So he's declaring in Genesis 24 that woman is never to be allowed individual boundary lines. She's never allowed to have any personhood, humanity, or individuality. She's allowed to be nothing. She is a non-person. She is a non-entity. She is a sack of meat that a body, uh, and she's a body, but she does not own her own body. The man owns her body as his body. <clears throat> so she is a full rape victim sex slave. And these laws of one flesh and coverture that were enacted based upon this um, codified the rape of women in marriage as the marriage covenant. So anybody just objective and rational should be able to see that that is evil and that it proves that Genesis 2 is as wicked as I'm saying. Because I'm not just saying that this is what Genesis 2, 24 through 25 says. Laws were based on this 
and they generated a parallel legal structure in which rape was the marriage covenant. Now, rape and sex slavery, I hope we know, are the kingdom of the devil. The kingdom of the devil is evil, and he is a slave master who possesses, quote-unquote, his bride as his slave. So, of course, the devil institutes rape and slavery, and that is his covenant, because he is the god of forces, so he permits no free will in his kingdom. In his kingdom, all is tyranny, bondage, slavery, oppression, and possession. And that is what we are seeing completely in this Luciferian parabolic fable that is a Gnostic Pandora creation myth wrongfully inserted into the Hebrew Bible. And I believe it is an atrocity that Christians are not standing up saying Genesis 2 has no place in the word of God. Genesis 2 and every writing derived from Genesis 2 must be removed from the biblical canon because it comes from Lucifer, not from the God and King of Israel. We could not be more opposite in Genesis 2 than the truth of Genesis 1 Because in Genesis 1, woman is fully equal to man. She's a full human being, a full person, a full child of God. She has full dominion. She's fully man's equal as an autonomous human being. So she has full dominion in relation to an equal man who likewise has the same shared dominion. So the two of them are fully equal in every respect of power of governmental rule and authority over their own bodies, they have free will, both of them, the male and the female, have free will as autonomous human beings. They are filled with the Spirit of God as the children of God in perfection in Genesis 1, but they have free will. It is God who gives us free will. It is the devil who makes us slaves And the devil possesses people as his own. So the devil robs all boundary lines from around people in a collectivist structure of his dark kingdom in which the only will that rules is his own will. Now, that's a spiritual reality because people in his kingdom are being controlled by him. And they're being controlled by him in a way that eliminates their boundary lines so that their soul is not their own. They become vessels of his possession. So there is the slavery principle in the kingdom of darkness. But in the kingdom of light, there is freedom. (laughs) So people are not free to do whatever they want, but the statement is that the freedom is the establishment of healthy individual boundary lines. The people are filled with the Spirit of God, so they are walking in love because God is their source. So because God is the source of their spiritual personhood, They are true individual autonomous human beings in respect to one another. They have equal humanity. They have equal rights. They have equal dominion. And they are functioning in a harmony that is wrought by the Spirit of God and is not of compulsion. It's not by force. There is no submission. No one is ruling over anyone else. There is no hierarchy. There is full equality in the kingdom, and every human being has autonomous personhood. Through that autonomous personhood, that is how we have direct personal relationship with God. The portrayal in Genesis 2 is of a woman who has no capacity to have a personal relationship with God because she is merely the bodily appendage of a man. 
She's not a person. If you're not a person, you cannot have a personal relationship. If you're not a person and you're just a sack of meat, you are a slave. You are remotely controlled by an ind- another person. You're a biological machine. Um, that's what this is showing in Genesis 2. Woman is a biological machine. She's a clone transhumanist robot. And it's like the Stepford Robots of the 1970s, that horror movie, where she has, a robot has no autonomy. A robot is program managed and controlled and doesn't have any personhood. They're just a robot. That's not a human being. That's not a person. That's a robot. Well, in Genesis 2, what we see is a Stepford robot made of biological material as a clone that is remotely controlled by a man because in this fantasy dystopia, the woman has no spirit or soul of her own, so she is fully infused by the spirit of the man and is subject to the will of the man in everything as the nature of her creation. This is a dystopian fantasy um, and a sex slave rape fantasy of pornography is what we're bearing witness to in Genesis 2. This is fully pornographic. This is fully a fantasy in which a woman isn't a human being but lives only to serve her master as a sex slave robot, rape victim. And a sex slave has is accorded no power of consent, so all sexual activity in a sex slave relationship is by force Because there's no power of consent, there's no free will, everything is subjugation, male domination, female subjugation, so everything is rape. There is, the woman is not accorded personhood, so she's not accorded power of consent, so the contract becomes a rape contract of sex slavery, and that is literally what these coverture and one flesh laws paralleled. They put it into the law. They wrote it out. They codified it. They read, they read Genesis 2 and they said, oh, the woman is a sex slave. She's not a person. She's a non-person, non-entity. She has no identity of her own. She's a bodily appendage of a man. She's a sex toy. And she has no power of consent to sexual activity. The man has all the power of sexual decision-making and the woman subjects to the man as his sex toy. His Stepford robot with, bi- with biological material in form. So they codified it and they stated the doctrine of marital rape was the marriage contract. And that, that the woman was required to submit to the man and it was impossible for the man to rape her because she had no power of consent. And upon marriage, that was her consent. And the man determined all sexual activity from that time forward And she just had to go along as his rape victim sex slave. So they said, so that's why they made marital rape the contract of a marriage. That is not a marriage covenant from the God and King of Israel. That is a Luciferian um, contract with the devil. And in my books, I talk about how what Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5 is stating is that a woman sells her soul to the devil And then the man is the human agency of her possession. So the man owns her body and soul as his possession, as his chattel property slave. She is just a body he owns. She's fully dehumanized. She's not a person. She's not a human being. She's not a child of God. She has no spirit or soul of her own. She's just a bodily appendage a man owns as his own flesh, Ephesians 5.28. And so it is a, a rape and sex contract between those two individuals and the devil because the man is modeling Lucifer and his bride. Paul says in Ephesians 5 that this is a great mystery between Christ and his church. Well, it's a great mystery between Lucifer and quote-unquote Babylon, quote-unquote his bride, because it is a sex slave rape contract of possession where the woman becomes the possession of the man and she loses her own spirit and soul. That is the image of the kingdom of Satan and that's the image of selling your soul to the devil. 
That's what it is. So Christians need to become thinking persons who do not blindly believe everything they're told. They need to think things through, draw out pictures, draw a diagram. Don't just accept it as the truth. Think it through. Draw the picture and go, is that really life and reality? Does that correspond to Genesis 1, really? Or is it the full reverse of Genesis 1? Because the truth is that Genesis 1 is the kingdom of light. Genesis 2 is the kingdom of darkness. The Gospel of John is the kingdom of light. Um, Saw Paul in all his epistles and the Petrine epistles that were written by the same forgers are all the kingdom of darkness. They're all about satanic possession. And the woman represents the church and the man satanically possesses the woman. And he strips her of all power of consent. That's why in these, again, I'll repeat it because this is very important to study and learn, and I encourage you to look up these laws and this history, um, and please get my books, because then this is going to be laid out for you very clearly, I think, just to put the puzzle pieces together so you start seeing the big picture view, and you can start understanding what you're being told in these vile books that are not the Bible. This is not scripture. This is the satanic Bible. This is Lucifer talking here in Genesis 2. So we saw how in Genesis 2.23, the woman is degraded into being a biological transhumanist clone machine, not a person, not a human being, not a child of God. She's just flesh that the man owns as his own body. She has no boundary lines. She has no identity. You have to have boundary lines as a human being to have a personal identity. Woman has none in Genesis 2. And then Adam codifies this vulgar relationship dynamic of full patriarchy and misogyny, which is the spirit of the devil. And he says that when a woman marries a man, they become one flesh. The woman is the man's flesh. She doesn't have a spirit or a soul, and she doesn't own her own body. And then we see how perverted this is. In Genesis 2.25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is the only place in a false writing that has been inserted into the Hebrew Bible where nakedness does not correspond to failure to be covered by the Spirit of God. Everywhere God speaks of persons who are his children God speaks of them in white robes of righteousness, and I believe those white robes of righteousness must convey a meaning of the bright white light of the Lord's glory so that their flesh is not seen and there there is no carnal, purient interest in a pornographic manner, you know, looking at each other. You're, you're seeing a person for who they are in the Lord. You're seeing spirit. You're seeing a covering of the body in the spirit of God, which the Lord states in Isaiah 60 when he says, Arise and shine, for the light has come, and you're covered with the glory of God. And so everywhere the Lord speaks about his children in Revelation 12, This is the image of woman from God's point of view, and this would correspond to Genesis 1. This is God's vision of a woman, and she is clothed with the sun, the moon is under her feet, and upon her head is a crown of 12 stars. So woman in the kingdom of God is the Lady Victory. She has full individual personal boundary lines. God speaks only of the woman in in Revelation 12. And he's showing us that she is a person. She is an individual human being. She's an autonomous individual. She's a person. She's a child of God. She is individually clothed with his glory. She is individually crowned. And this crowning of her in this glory, Revelation 12 is showing us the picture of the dominion 
in which woman was created in Genesis 1. So let's read Genesis 1. And I want you, when we read Genesis 1, I want you to see the imprint of this woman being clothed with the glory of God and crowned as an individual, autonomous human being, a person and a child of God, and God having individual, personal, direct relationship with her. She is the equal of a man. She has governmental authority and ruling power. That crown represents the dominion that means ruling power and authority. And we see that the ruling power and authority is by the Spirit of God. It is the result of sanctification. But our spirits that are born of God are in full union and harmony with God. So the relationship in that respect of being born of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit is there's obviously the clear distinction of personhood and a clear boundary line of distinction of the personhood of God, our creator, versus who we are in our individuality as the children of God. But the being filled with the Holy Spirit is a seamless unification of the distinct personhood of God and us as his children being entirely sanctified. And that is the picture in Revelation 12 that we can understand to be woman in her creation in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And then God speaks to both male and female in Genesis 1, 28 through 30. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, when we hear God speak in Genesis 1, 26, he said, man in our image and let them have dominion. So when he's saying man, he's saying humanity that is both male and female. Because man is a single singular noun representing both male and female. So man means humanity in Genesis 1.26. And it does also in Genesis 1.27. Even though it says I'll read it to you. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Well, we could go into the original language about him, and perhaps I will in a future segment podcast. But right now, let's just focus that we already see defined in Genesis 1.26 that man means humanity, meaning both male and female. So when we use a pronoun for humanity, we could debate whether that's a masculine, feminine, or just mutual pronoun that's being used in in Genesis 1.27. And perhaps I will do a deep dive on that for you. But the bottom line is that he is saying that he made humanity in his own image, in the image of God. Male and female created he them. So the same singular is meaning the plurality of male and female equal human beings. God created the male and female human beings out of that one word that was spoken in Genesis 1.26. So it is full equality. And Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So when you see the picture of woman in Genesis 1, 
26 and we've read through 28, we should see the picture of woman appearing like we see in Revelation 12, 1. And I'll read that to you again. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. So we would see that woman is clothed with the light of the Lord, and the moon that represents the night of darkness is under her feet. So woman is entirely sanctified, is the symbolism that is represented here. And, and more symbolism can be represented by these words, but that is very clear as one aspect of the symbolism that is represented. Woman in Revelation 12 is entirely sanctified. So God is speaking of who she is in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. So we would see woman in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, clothed with the light and the glory of God. So she would be fully clothed and she might appear at some manner of discussion of her appearance as in a white robe of righteousness because she is entirely sanctified. We're seeing her spiritual personhood shining through her. And we talk about sometimes how we see the glory of the Lord shining on people's faces. We saw how Moses was shining in the glory of the Lord at the door of the temple and in other stories. And so the glory of the Lord was seen upon Moses and people saw the light of the Lord's glory. Now in Isaiah 60 verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee and the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So we should see woman in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, shining in the light of the Lord's glory and clothed with his glory. There would be no message of nakedness in the creation of woman, no message of nakedness in the creation of man. The two of them would have been shining in the glory that is seen because they were in a state of entire sanctification of perfection in their original creation. <clears throat> Now, I'm going to read to you about the church of Laodiceans, and this is in Revelation 3, verse 14, starting. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And that means vomit. He's going to vomit these people out of his mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then he counsels them. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. So throughout all true scripture, and in any place other than this apostasy of Genesis 2.25, Nakedness means being rejected by God it, it, because you have, you have, you are in such a fallen state. You have turned your back on God and 
So it's, it's a mutual thing. You turn your back on God and, and it changes God's position towards you. Now, I'm not saying that people can lose a real born again redemption. Once we're born of the spirit, we're born of the spirit. But we have a level of sanctification on earth that does affect our, our relationship with the Lord. And so in Genesis 2, I'm going to read this to you. This is a full overthrow of the truth of the kingdom. This is a lie. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Well, if they were naked, then they were in a bad position between God. Their light had gone out. They were in the darkness. Because when you're in the light, you shine with the light of the Lord's glory in the sight of God. And in entire sanctification in which in Genesis 1, in the true creation account, both the male and the female were shining in the light of the Lord's glory and they were clothed with the sun, clothed with the light as an allegory. And then there, and it appeared as unto white raiment. They did not appear naked to each other or before the Lord. They were clothed in the spirit. And what this means is they were not carnal. They were not worldly. They were not fallen. They were in the spirit. So they saw and walked according to the spirit. And they appeared according to the spirit in relation to one another. And that is how they looked. And that is how they saw one another. The concept that nakedness is necessary for sexual attraction is ridiculous. If you cannot fall in love with a woman with her clothes on, you do not love her. You fall in love with a woman for who she is in spirit and in truth in the Lord. You fall in love with a human being, a person, when you truly fall in love. If you have just fallen in love, quote unquote, with a body you want to use to please yourself, that's not love, that's lust. And what we're seeing in Genesis 2 is the portrayal, it's a, it's a false glorification of a fully lust-crazed, pride-filled, depraved relationship dynamic of darkness and blasphemy. The woman is a slave. The man doesn't even regard her as a human being or a person. He has no love in a relationship bond with a human being because he has denied her definition of the identity of being a person so his opinion of her is just fully self-centered man-centered lust he doesn't even award her any boundary lines she's a non-person non-entity with a non-identity to him that's just a body I own as my body and I want to use to please myself and so his his position towards her is lust it's rape and slavery so that's just a body he wants to use as if a woman is a Stepford robot with biological material um, for her body. That's the entire perspective of this man in Genesis 2. This man is fully reprobate. He's reprehensible. He is fully satanic. And he's in the darkness completely towards this woman. And then we see that they're both declared to be naked. When they're declared to be naked, the spiritual meaning of that is that they are fully in darkness. They're fully naked. And so they don't just appear naked. They are naked. And when, and when it says they are naked, that's the opposite of being clothed in the righteousness of God. That's the opposite of being, of have, of being born of the Spirit, of being sanctified. That's the opposite of the light of the Lord's glory. That's the opposite of everything of the kingdom of light. Being naked like that is of the kingdom of darkness. So when this is stating that the, they were both naked, it's not saying that they were innocent. There's nothing innocent about these two. These two are, are plunged into full darkness. This man is regarding a woman as property he owns as his own body. He's denied her all personhood, all humanity. He never even speaks to her as a human being. He just defines her as a thing he owns as a Chattel property slave, and he wants to rape her. He's denied her all humanity and all power of consent. So she's a rape victim in his eyes and a sex slave he wants to use to please himself 
as if he's masturbating and that's his masturbation object because it's his own flesh. Now, if, if you're having sex with your own flesh, you're engaging in masturbation. So Genesis 2 is a picture of rape, sex, slavery, and so dehumanizes woman that the man is just going to masturbate. And, and that's what it is. I mean, he's a full narcissist. The woman to him is nothing. She has no humanity or personhood. She has no boundary lines. It's a body he uses as a sex toy to masturbate because it's all about him. He's just pleasing himself. And it says that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Well, when it says that they were not ashamed, when we talk about what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you have no further capacity to um, rise to a higher level. You have no conscience. The Holy Spirit can't show you that what you're doing is wrong. The Holy Spirit can't show you that you're in the darkness to call you back into the light. The Holy Spirit can't minister to you. The Holy Spirit can't speak to you. You have gone so far that you are in a state of full blasphemy. And in the state of full blasphemy, that would be related as being naked and not ashamed. That would be you're naked, you're not ashamed, and you have no capacity to become ashamed of your fallen state. And the woman is the rape victim in this story, but she's being portrayed as the quote-unquote harlot of Babylon. This is a picture of Babylon. This is a picture of the 666 beast and the harlot of Babylon, a man and a woman in a complete state of blasphemy and where the relationship dynamic is full prostitution. The relationship dynamic in Genesis 2 is a relationship dynamic of full prostitution because the woman has been defined as Um, just biological material a man owns as his own body. That is full prostitution. That is full sex slavery. That is, she's a full chattel property slave with no identity or personhood of her own. And this woman is so victimized in Genesis 2, and she is the victim because he's the one in power. So she is the victim. That she is fully victimized with no capacity in this portrayal of how it concludes, with no capacity to assert that, wait here a minute, bud, I'm a human being. You you do not define me as a piece of behind you own for your masturbation purposes. I'm a human being, and I have the right to say no to you. I have the right to make a decision about everything, because I'm an equal human being to you, bud. You know, she's not backing him up a bit. She's not asserting her own boundary lines a bit. She has become his possession in this, so she's been fully plunged into satanic possession in this story. And again, she is the victim in this relationship dynamic because it's um, a rape relationship dynamic, and the man has all the power, he has all the control over her, And so she's a victim. That's just the way it works. And that's just the same as, and and that's, that's just the same as the people that are possessed by Satan. Okay, we can talk about human responsibility. Um, They're responsible for what they do, but they're victims. You know, Satan has controlled them. Satan has possessed them. They have been taken captive by the devil. So when God looks at them, God sees both their responsibility in their in in what they do. And so he's going to give them um, a response appropriate to their behavior. But he's also going to see them as victims. He is also going to see that Satan is the bad guy. And so he's not going to judge and condemn them. Um, the Lord did not come to judge and condemn the lost, but that they would be saved through him. Now, he is going to hold people accountable, Um, but, and that's in the short term during our human lifetimes, but on the last day, the Lord is going to destroy the darkness, 
And he's going to have mercy on people when they come out of the darkness, when the darkness is destroyed, because he didn't come <clears throat> to judge and condemn them. He came that they would be saved. He came to judge the devil. He came to judge the spirit of darkness. He came to destroy the darkness. And so on the last day when the darkness is destroyed, he said that if he be lifted up from the earth, he would draw all people unto himself. So the last day is the first opportunity for certain people to have that chance to come to the light because the darkness that has taken them captive is destroyed. And that is a way to set people free. Um, we have during our human lifetimes the opportunity to know the Lord. But if we do not come to know the Lord during our human lifetimes, another way of coming to know the Lord is when the darkness is destroyed. Because when there's no more darkness and you're just standing there, guess what happens? The light comes upon you. The light can find then entrance into your heart. Um, so, so there is a second chance. God is the God of second chances and he doesn't leave the second chance to chance. He's going to destroy the darkness. Everyone's coming to him. And it's not like they're not going to have free will to do that because the captivity will cease when the darkness is destroyed. They've been taken captive by the darkness. <clears throat> so when we see in Genesis 2, um, Genesis 22 through, or 23, particularly through 25, we are seeing a picture of the devil and his church being played out in the picture of the first man and his wife. The man doesn't even relate to her as if she's a human being or a person. She's just a thing. He never talks to her. There's no relationship. He just lays claim to ownership. This is... It is so despicable because we're seeing in Genesis 2, 23 through 25, a pornographic rape, sex slavery fantasy. That is what the devil has produced in his Pandora mythology. And I really hope and pray that Christians come awake and realize that when it says that they're naked there, that's not innocent. When they're not ashamed of their nakedness, that is not innocent. Um, you have to, you have to utilize apologetics. You have to have spiritual discernment. You can't just believe everything you hear. I mean, if we believed everything we heard, we'd say everything is the Bible because we'd have to go, oh, well, I just accept that it's the Bible. So I can't use any apologetics. I can't think about what that person is saying, I can't use spiritual discernment. I just have to accept that that's the Bible. Well, if we accept that everything's the Bible, then we're going to believe lies and we're not going to utilize um, apologetics. And we need to utilize apologetics. Just because um, Constantine in 325 said that, 325 AD said that this was, Genesis 2 was the Bible. Well, it's a Pandora, Greco-Roman myth. It's not, it's not the Hebrew Bible. Okay, sure. So, so ancient Rome wants to make that their Bible because it's a Pandora creation myth. And they believe that men are God and women are their sex slaves. And Rome was founded um, by the rape of women. That's how they decided to gain a population. They just kidnapped and raped women and said, well, you know, this is the Roman marriage contract. We just, we just kidnap you. We rape you. You're our sex slaves. We own your bodies. That's, that's Roman religion marriage. Well, that's what we see in Genesis 2, and that's what Saul Paul is preaching. You can't just say, well, that's the Bible. Or you have to read the history of Rome and go, hey, R uh, Romulus and Remus, that, that's the Bible. Um, yeah, anything Rome says in Greek mythology, that's the Bible. How do, you, how do you know that um, Greco-Roman mythology is not the Bible? Well, you have to know the Lord. You have to be able to differentiate between light and darkness. So you need to differentiate between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And it's very clear. Everything in Genesis 2 is opposite Genesis 1. It's a fully opposite spirit, and it's fully satanic. It's a rape, sex, slavery, pornographic fantasy presented by Lucifer, 
Now, is it that remarkable that fallen men fall for it? I mean, it, I mean, I, I, I get disgusted when I read about men going, oh, wow, look at Genesis 2. She just, she's the perfect sex slave. She's naked. She's not ashamed. She just, she's the man's body and she, she just exists to do his will. She's not even a person. She's not a human being. She has no will of her own. She's just subjected to him in everything. Like Paul says, it's the ideal. Well, it's a Stepford robot dystopian pornographic rape sex slavery fantasy that the devil added to the Bible. And it's fully opposite Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, you have full egalitarianism, full holiness, and you have two human beings who can actually fall in love with each other as people. You don't have a man laying claim to ownership of, of a body as a piece of meat he wants to use to please himself in a fully man-centered apostasy. In Genesis 1, you have true love. It, those are people in Genesis 1. And they're filled with the love of the Lord. And so the male and the female have no problem with full equality. And by the Holy Spirit filling them, they're in full harmony. They really, truly love each other as human beings, as persons, people, and children of God. God is truly at the center because you have two real people standing on level ground as equals. The only place you're going to have God in the center of a relationship is when two people are standing on level ground as two equals, as we see in Genesis 1. Now, I'm going to read to you Revelations 2, 1 through 2. And this is the first letter to the church, or the first church that is addressed in the book of Revelation. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, how and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are evil apostles and are not and has found them liars well christians today that are lukewarm can bear this evil of genesis 2 and the sex slavery of genesis 2 and the sex slavery that that false apostle saul paul is portraying in ephesians making a woman subject to a man in all things and telling a man to love his wife as his own body as himself that's full narcissism. That is, that, is, that is a sex slave rape relationship that was codified as one flesh coverture laws in which marital rape was made the, the contract with the devil. And marriage was a, was a woman being sold to the devil, like selling her body and soul to the devil under the ownership of a man who played the role of the devil as a sex slave owner, making a woman a rape victim sex slave. Because they stated that upon marriage, a woman lost all right of consent and all power over her own body, but everything was up to the man. So that's literal rape. When you deny a woman power of consent, as in Genesis 2 and Ephesians 5, and the entire Roman pater familius male headship law, that Paul has made the, the mystery between Lucifer and his church. But we are to be as the Ephesians. We're to, we're to be awake enough that we test and try these writings that Rome has put into the Bible, that Babylon, ancient Babylon, has put into the Bible. And we are to have enough. I get so disgusted by this. I get furious. Uh, and it's appalling. And I'm just gaining strength and ability to even talk about it because it's so awful. And it was shoved down my throat. And I reject it. I reject this evil. You know, men need to wake up and come back to the Lord and come out of this pornography of desiring women to be sex slave robots. Stop it. Start, start respecting women as persons, human beings 
and children of God and get on that level ground of the cross and original creation where you actually respect women as human beings until men give women equal rights and equal standing. God cannot be in the center of that relationship and it's not filet of love. It is lust because a woman is being objectified and animalized as property a man owns as his own body. That is filthy, pornographic, false doctrine. And the church of Ephesus cannot bear them which are evil, tries them which say they are apostles and are not, and finds them liars. Now that is the Holy Spirit. And that is this ministry. Now you can go to my website. It is at www.theladyvictory.com. Very important to put the the in front. The Lady Victory. And you can give to my ministry there. And you can buy my books that are available on Barnes and Noble. And at Barnes and Noble, I have three books up right now. The first one is Big Bad Wolves, Hiding Under Bible Covers. That one reveals that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are false gospels. The Gospel of John is the only authentic, true gospel that was written by the true disciple of the Lord, John the Beloved. And that's the only authentic gospel there is in the Bible is the Gospel of John. The New Testament is full of forgeries. Genesis 2-3 is a forgery. And I go over Genesis 2 in my first two books. And the first book is Genesis 2, All in a Day's Work. The second book is Genesis 2, Lucifer and His Church. And I'm showing you how the devil is throwing everything upside down in these false books. And I've highlighted a little bit more how Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are full opposites. And Genesis 2 is the truth thrown upside down. So I would appreciate you getting those books. It's a way I'll get, you know, about half of what you pay um, for the books there at Barnes & Noble. So it's a way of giving to me and receiving uh, because the education you're going to get from these books is going to be the power of the Holy Spirit of the full stature move because we're going to the foundation and getting the foundation right. And when we eliminate the false foundation and we stand on the sure, true foundation of egalitarianism with no compromise, that is when we're going to rise full stature. God bless you.